Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. Courtney doubles down on soft tyres. I was trying to tell myself second was good enough, but uh, there's a crazy will to win in, inside me. Wing cap drops out of top spot. Did you lose the lead of the championship, you're going to be disappointed in yourself. I'm not sure when was the last time that he wasn't leading it, so it's, uh, it, it probably pissed me off a little if I was winning it all the time and then all of a sudden I wasn't. And Lowndes is happy not to be teaming up with J-Dub at the Enduros. So, yeah, we can we can uh, you know uh, get some good points. If we just finish in front of um, Jamie, we're still going to get more points than him. We'll look at all that and more today as the lights go out on another edition of the V8 Insiders. Taking the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 supercar coverage. Out now. James Courtney has found his way to the top of the V8 Supercar Championship, dominating the Winton races. It's fantastic, especially to take this uh, this lead and these four wins into the in the four week break. Now it's going to be uh, quite a nice, relaxing couple of weeks. Courtney and Craig Lowndes have both said that the soft tyre races suits their driving style. You know, it's not foreign for me to, to know how to work and feel and, and look after a soft tyre. So I think that probably pays dividends more so in the race distance. In um, you know outright lap speed, anyone's got the bigger, bigger set and a big enough set to uh, drag a lap out of it. But over a race distance, I think that experience to to manage the tyre was probably uh, what brought us home these last four races. You know, it helps me the way I drive this car, and uh, you know, really gives me the, the front back in the in the uh, Commodore where I uh, obviously had last year. Lowndes interestingly said that he is happy that the Enduros pairing rule for 2010 will see him linking up with Mark Scaife, not his teammate Jamie Winkup. And uh, you know, Scaife he's been in the car, and uh, and uh, he keeps he keeps reminding me every time he's been in the car, which is obviously Queensland and here that uh, I've had my my two best results. Winkup now had a third place on Saturday and an off on. Sunday that's all in fallout of the top spot in the driver's standing for the first time in almost 20 months of racing. Of course I want to I, I want to lead the championship at every possible opportunity but um, that was unfortunately we just didn't have the pace today and you know there's, there's no excuse. Shane van Gisbergen was quick across the weekend but Tim Slade who was able to make his car stick out as the SPR's best prepared entrant. Slade explained how he was able to cut his way through the field on Sunday. To, uh, to get a good result for, for Wilson <laughs> Security and uh, and James Rosenberg as well. Lee Holsworth was happy with his hometown result getting third in the Sunday standings. Um, it was it was excellent you know to end up third and um, and hopefully, you know, I don't know where we are in the championship, but it's, uh, I'd say it'd be looking good after uh, after what happened at Queensland. We really needed to fight back, and we've done that. The Sunday race was being cut short, has sparked controversy with Rick Kelly and Tim Slade both feeling as they could have improved their position had the additional laps been run. I only needed one or two more laps more, and, and I would have had a bit of a lunge at him. So disappointing. I mean, they set the goalpost and they're, and they're variable, but in saying that, it was the same for everyone, I guess. But it's disappointing I mean we always want to do 67 laps 
They uh, cut us a few laps short, so I think we might have had Winterbottom at the end there as well. Network 7 have told Big Pond Sport that they had nothing to do with the race being cut short. And the network is not a fan of timed races anymore than the fans are. Network 7 has once again split the race coverage in most states with qualifying before the bottom of the table clash Richmond versus Hawthorne. Then a tape delayed coverage of the Sunday race which allowed V8 Supercast TV to cut out the two safety car periods. The V8 Insiders has learnt that Channel 9 is now potentially looking at bidding for the V8 Supercast along with Network 10 through their 1HD channel. Channel 7 currently holds the last bid rights for the series, which is an option that Channel 10 decided not to exercise last time they were up for grabs. With all three commercial players now in the market for V8 supercars, it looks like the teams will be assured of an increasing wreck profit in the years ahead. In the Fujitsu series, it was Cameron McConville and Steve Owen who dominated the weekend. McConville smashing the competition with a fantastic result for his first time round in the development series. With the Walkinshaw development driver Nick Perkett finishing a career-best third place, it's interesting times ahead for all the Fujitsu series drivers as they head to Townsville for their next round. Tim Slade will be teamed up with Jack Perkins in the Enduros this year, the announcement being made ahead of the Winton round, which will see the young Perkins returning to the main game for the first time since the Enduros in 2009. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders after the break. Tony Whitlock and Luke West will be along. I hope you'll stay with us. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Craig Ravel with you along with the voice of the Fujitsu series, also from V8X Magazine and a whole bunch more, Luke West. Good evening, Luke. G'day, Craig. And also from Race Facts, it's Tony Whitlock. Good evening, Tony. Hi there. It's been an interesting weekend, and certainly James Courtney has just shown with the soft tyres, he's almost invincible, Tony. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've clearly shown that um, they have the setup, and he's driving it well, um, as others have this weekend. I mean, that fascinating thing again, where it's a dual winner. Every round this year has been won. Six rounds by same driver both days. But you'd like this stat, uh, Luke, and I know, Tony, this is your stat for the first time in, what, two years? It hasn't come from the front row? No, not two years. Um, it was uh, all this year from the front row. Um, but the, uh, the interesting thing, of course, is that um, we still haven't had a winner outside the top ten since uh, 08. It's a long time, Luke, isn't it? It is, but that could just show just how competitive it is in that top 10, so you can put all sorts of slants on it. But bottom line was the racing was good down in Winton, and the first time, what is it, in 14 years that Dick Johnson racing the oldest 
team in the business has led the championship. So uh, all good, I think, uh, for the sport in general. We won't, we don't have the Holden whitewash. We don't have the Jamie Wincup whitewash. And it creates all sorts of interest, particularly when it's the sports poster boy. But as I was uh, talking to Tony off air before the show, it is interesting because no matter which way it shakes out after you look at the uh, results of the last two rounds, Roland Dane's still the winner. His chassis have uh, what? His chassis have just dominated, with the exception of one round. And he made the point to I think it was uh, John Evans of Auto Action that uh, the aero package on the Falcon is something that was developed by Triple Eight, and on the Commodore it's not. <laughs> well, Tony, I know you love that sort of techno jargon, and it is interesting just to see what they've been able to achieve at Triple Eight to get their Holdens to the top of the championship and to stay there for quite a deal of time, and there's no doubt Jamie Wincup is definitely in this championship hunt, even if he's not at the top of the leaderboard. <clears throat> Oh, yeah. Look, I think one of the interesting things when we talk about um, always winning from the front row, and this is, we've had that one race in the last, oh, I don't know, you know, sort of 14 or so that hasn't been won from the front row. The interesting thing, of course, is that all those guys in pit lane doing pit stops in five and six seconds, all those guys who are fettling these cars, they're not making mistakes. Finger mistakes are gone. You know, these guys are under pressure, both drivers and crews, and the great thing about the category is the cars are so reliable, they're bulletproof, and that the, you know, the cars are staying out there. The number of DNS is mostly a result of contacts and things like that. And interesting, after Saturday's race, Luke, there's certainly a lot of contact, and I think just about every car but for Courtney's had some form of damage on it. Yeah, and that's exactly what the fans want to see. It just had become too clinical, and now... With a new element introduced, i.e. the soft tyres, it's spiced it up. So job done and well done to V8 Supercars Australia for for doing that. They recognised that something needed to be done, just generally. And yes, this has been planned for quite some time to have these two rounds this year, fully using the Sprint Max tyre. But uh, it's been coming for a while. We've known for a while. Got to do something about spicing the action up and we've found the solution how good's that but the problem is i think uh, luke and tony the problem is that now we've got the two all soft races out the way and we go back to the permanent racing circuits anyway hidden valley and uh, then well you know change should either confirm or deny things so we go back to and go okay well we've got some races now on saturdays without a soft tire and if they go back to the, the way they were not as interesting, not as much passing, not as much rubbing, then okay, well, that would clearly say that, gee, the other way was much better. And that's fine. I mean, what you've done is you've then confirmed what was thought. But it also says, well, and particularly with the way that they've been marketing these soft tyre rounds, and this is the best racing you've ever seen, well, why would we bother going to Hidden Valley then? Because we're not going to see the best racing we've ever seen. We get a soft tyre on Sunday, and whether people are going to use it early or late, you know, that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, the fast guys will probably want to go with a soft tyre early. And while you're up there in, the, in the, the front of the grid, you probably will go there as well. And the guys from the back will roll the dice and choose to go late with it. And if there's no safety cars, they could well come storming through, as, say, Alex Davison did last year and Michael Caruso.
Yep. It, it is interesting now as we talk about the safety car. One of the big things, one of the uh, stories that uh, I know people have been following is the timed race situation. And uh, with most of Australia getting the race delayed, um, I guess the question was being asked by many, why did we have a timed race? It wasn't a TV issue. It's just the way the regulations were uh, crafted and considering we taught two safety car periods which you can normally bank on at least one safety car period was it uh was it a bit too premature luke to say we need to pull the um race up three laps early are you sure about that not being delayed in every part of australia i haven't uh, looked at what the tv schedule was but anyway well that's the formula they've come up with and they want the races to last X amount of time for whatever reason and uh, well it's pretty clear in the, the regulations it didn't bother me too much I'm starting to think those races are a little bit long anyway to me the 120 kilometer races work better than the 200 kilometer races or from the point of view of two pit stops in a race is a bit confusing for me, maybe I'm feeble of mind or something, but it's, they're quite confusing where it's much easier to get your head around what's happening in the, in the one pit stop races. You, you're, on, you, you're with me though on that one, Tony? Yes, indeed, but the one thing that you're not remembering is what there should be in the middle of the track is what's called a position tower. As the same we've had at Bathurst for over 20 years, a portable position tower which would give a real reason to all trucks around Australia, and then everyone would know who's leading and who's gone into the pits. That's what should be there and should have been there for the last 10 years. The moment they start saying pit stops in every race, there should be a portable position tower in every bloody meeting. Well, they've got portable grandstands now that they're taking to half the meeting, so you think a a, a pit tower, or sorry, a a position tower would be uh, quite cheap compared to some of the structures that are getting oh, built. Oh, Christ, yeah. Look, you know, years ago it was priced by V8. I've been writing about this for 10 years. And it was priced by V8 Supercars. A guy called Tony Manson, who was operating manager, he said it was going to cost a million dollars. I said, OK, well, I'll build one for half a million dollars because you can do it for bloody 100000 You get an old trailer, you build a frame, you go and buy the software from America and the lights, and bingo, you can have it up and running. It would mean that everyone at every meeting, when they see the tower, they know who's leading the races. And it should be at every bloody meeting. The only problem is that you would need a few of them at the street circuits. It's fine for Winton and I. I'm with you. Don't think I'm criticising you because I'm no, with I, you 100%. I percent. I'd I love to like see it. one those those towers, but at Winton, Queensland Raceway, it would work, but the street circuits, yeah, I don't know. Most tracks, you could have one of them. Most tracks, you, I mean, even true, majority of people could see the one of them sort of thing. But I but think you have it there, so it's positioned so it is well above, you know, a second-story building. Um, it's a simple frame with just LED lights that goes up, and you can write programs so you can see who's doing the fastest lap, who's doing the fastest. You know, it's a myriad of information. I mean, one of the problems has been in V8 supercars is there were people there who believed that you know motor racing is too complex. It's not like football. Well, one of the things that a lot of people appeal about motor racing is the fact that it is complex. It is a team sport the biggest team sport in the bloody world. And therefore you've got to get as much information out to the people as you can and not just pictures of bloody cars going around. Tell people as to who's in what place. 
It's an interesting one. Uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to take a break. We're going to continue this thought on the other side of the break. This is the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. As we continue the thought with Tony Whitlock and Luke West. Now, guys, I guess we were talking about a, having a position tower at every race, something that I have been calling for uh, along with both you guys for a while now. And I, I, would, I would accept that... Shane Howard and, and, to- and Murray Lomax are both saying, hey, we've got these big screen TVs that we scroll through. But let's face it, when you're looking at a scroll, you only see the bit as it scrolls. You don't want to be looking at a, at a, at a scrolling scoreboard for uh, too long because the action's on the racetrack, which is what you want to be focusing on. Yeah, they've actually, in their defence, and I agree, we need the tower... Buy one now, get one now. In their defence, they have uh, come up with special graphics. Tim Madsen, who is the telemetry, um, the bloke who knows how to display it on the TV, and uh, he's developed uh, special large graphics, large font graphics, if I can put it like that, for the big screens at um, V8 Supercar events rounds. So have a look at those next time out. So that makes it a bit easier. So they are working on it. We've got to find more ways of doing it. And I guess uh, for some people, that's the app you can get on your iPhone. Not everyone's got an iPhone. Not everyone can afford one. But there'll be others for regular mobile phones coming on stream too. We can get the special V8 Supercar live timing on your phone at the circuit. So that's one thing that uh, will help things. But it's probably there's not one solution. There's going to be... Uh, a few ways to get this information out to the people. But, of course, we can look at the flip side of the problem, that is come up with formats that are easier to understand. Well, I, I, I think we had this format that was easier to understand, but people were getting jaded with it. It was called the sprint format, and I honestly think that we are seeing better racing now than we ever did in the sprint days. What about you, Tony? Yes, indeed. And, and Luke, please don't get... Miss Gardens, I don't happen to be a fan of uh, Telstra or Big Pond or any of those things, and there's some simple reasons. As a company, I don't like dealing with them. Um, therefore, I'm certainly not be in favour of people relying on information on another medium when there's one quite simply put in front of you at the track. They're not getting people reaching for their phone to actually know what's going on, but so that they're there at the track, they look up at a board, and there it is. There's a position of people. Fantastic in things like qualifying to be able to get people involved in the whole thing. And that, to me, is what it's all about, getting people far more involved in what's going on, letting them know what's actually happening on the track by looking there. And the position tower can be in their line of sight to them watching the cars on the track because you don't want them taking their eyes off that. Mm. Now, Agreed. But my point was that it's just one solution. It's, uh, you've got a whole different group of people going to the circuits and you've got the gadget heads and they want to get their technology, hence why you've got Telstra so heavily involved in the sport and the Big Pond brand and uh, other companies too through sponsoring the actual teams. But it's 
there's many different approaches to solve this issue. Yeah, I, I've always also been a fan of, and I do like the graphics you're seeing now. However, it is only two cars at a time. I've always been a, a, a person who said, let's put two giant screens up there if you want. Have one giant screen with the uh, normally in-car camera footage, but the, uh, the V8 Supercar TV footage, and have the other one just completely dedicated to where the cars are on the track. And if you run them side by side, you've got uh, at least some of the installation part of it and cabling part of it all uh, tied in together. But uh, it, it definitely is a problem. Like, you wouldn't say you had that problem at Queensland Raceway because there wasn't a crowd. But uh, Winton looked like a, uh, it was going to be a, a fairly healthy crowd. But something I'd like to throw to you both is if our television coverage is so key and we have a full day of television coverage on Saturday and then this split system in a lot of the states, not all the states as you rightly pointed out, Luke, but a split system on the Sunday, why the heck are we running a longer race when it gets split into two and why don't we just have the big main event on the big TV day? Tony, you go first while I think of my answer. <laughs> one, one of the things was, by two-day events, qualifying and racing on each day, it means that you've got a greater chance of increasing, particularly at these tracks like Winton, of getting the people to come both days. Not as historically was in the past. I mean, uh, as you were talking before about the sprint venue, uh, sprint uh, format. I disliked enormously the old sprint format, the three 20-minute races in a day. I mean, it was bloody hard on the teams, hard on the cars, hard on the drivers, and, and you know, who was the winner? I don't really know. But far better to go to the system where they have now qualifying in a race on each day. As many people say, the Sunday morning 20-minute one qualifying session, that's it, is terrific. Having the longer race on Sundays, it's more usual now that we don't have to finish races by 3 o'clock through the year. Um, and obviously, as uh, you were talking before about television uh, contracts and things like that coming up, I mean, that's going to change again. I mean, I would think it's highly likely the next time that V8 TV sit down to negotiate with a television network that we will no longer be saying, oh, we're willing to take a, a back seat when the footy's on. I think the next time it's negotiated, there'll be no back seat that V8 TV will say, we want a full-time all-year, none of this bloody going, ending at 3 o'clock stuff, so that the, the second race on Sunday being longer... I mean, I happen to be a belief that the series came of real value internationally last year when they went to this single-format race per day. Yeah, I like the single format too. I agree entirely. I'm not suggesting for a minute to go back to the three sprint races. I like qualifying and a race each day. I'm just wondering uh, if it should be... Uh, qualifying and 120 kilometre race. What's that? About an hour and hour and 15 sometimes. That, I think that's about the perfect race length. And two of those over the weekend, just one pit stop. That's that's the point I'm making there. Uh, as to the future TV coverage, we've got to make a compromise. Channel Seven is, or at least at the time of. Um, well, it still is the number one network. So you get a bigger audience if you are on Channel 7. You may get a better time slot on one of the other networks, but it uh, comes at the price of a smaller audience and less credibility. So that's, there's pluses and minuses there with doing the TV deals. Mm. Well, t Channel 7 this week have said there's no value in moving... Uh, V8 supercars, when digital television comes across the na nation and all the television channels on the digital spectrum are available, 
then you could you could choose to run V8 supercars live when it's happening at the time that V8 supercars schedule it. And Seven saying there's no point in doing that. AFL is such a draw on television. If you were to yep. run V8 supercars up against AFL on television, you might as well not even bother showing the V8 supercars because their viewership is so low compared to AFL football, there'd be no one changing channels. And the other thing that many people, particularly in the southern states, might be interested to hear, rugby league is an absolute powerhouse. It gets a bad rap sometimes, but the ratings are through the roof. So for Channel 9's ratings for their weekly Sunday afternoon NRL game, between 4 and 6, it's that dedicated time slot, um, there's risks to V8s by running them up against the NRL in the two, the, fir- the most populous and third most populous states. That's New South Wales and Queensland. So it's no simple solution. One point I'd like to make is that I often think, and the diehards are going to just arc up about this, I think sometimes the V8 telecasts are too long. It's fine for the diehards, the rather, you know, the small percentage of them that make up the actual audience, TV audience, but I'm going to use the NRL example too. I love my NRL, and I like the fact that the game wraps up in about an hour and 45 minutes, or the whole telecast is that. As a family man, I struggle to watch anything on television these days that's longer than two hours, any sporting telecast. I can't watch cricket anymore just because of my family demands. And I reckon there's be a lot of people feel the same way. I know there are when I look at my family and my friends that as we've gone to the longer races, it's a real, that really cuts into your weekend. Uh, and you've got to, it's okay to say to the missus, I'm going to put aside, I'm going to just want to watch the V8s, let's pick a time, between two and four. But when you start saying, oh, I'd like this afternoon, i.e. all afternoon to watch the V8s, the missus starts to arc up a little bit. So it's many different dynamics to think of. Tony? Um, yeah, I, I was thinking, and Luke, I was born in Sydney, so don't get me wrong for a second. To me, that's a very Sydney-sized view of things. It's the reason that... that they don't get large crowds of things in Sydney because people say, oh, there'll be lots of people, let's not go there. We don't want to turn a queue. Yeah, true. Do but, yeah, I, I understand totally what you're saying also about the length of the, the, the races and the length of the programs. Yeah, I think at times that they do go too long and shorter and sharper and get out would be probably a good idea. Um, whether it's 120, 150, 170, you know, whatever it is, I'm sure that more powers will... Uh, will determine as to what they will be. Certainly the soft tyre should be part of majority of the rounds next year. It would appear that the soft tyre would not be a good option for the Enduros, particularly at Phillip Island and Bathurst, where they have such long straights, where um, these tyres would not fare as well with higher temperatures being raised over a distance. But, um, you know, they've clearly not lucked into it. They tried something, they got a success in last year's round, dual rounds. They've now gone to the next step. And, you know, all points. I mean, as most people would know around the V8 paddock, I mean, I at times have uh, gone head-to-head against uh, V8 supercars and had my pass revoked and things like that. But I applaud them when they make right decisions, and they made a lot of them. Mm. Clearly, the fuel tank thing is a right decision. It took a long time coming, but that's a right decision. And I actually think that the multiple um, pit stops, I think, works really well. But, you know, that's... 
Just opinion. Yep. Well, we need to take a break. On the other side of the break, it's gas and go time. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders as the white flag waves over this part of the show. It's gas and go time and uh, Tony Whitlock, Luke West, we have three minutes to get through the following five questions. Starting with Luke, HRT knocking themselves out of race 11. Is that still the ultimate sin in motorsport? (laughs) I think it is. It's a bad look, isn't it? Those guys will be... uh scratching their heads and doing some soul-searching, so yes. Tony? Yes, indeed, but they were looking for scapegoats blaming Triple Eight for uh, uh, Garth having a slow stop, but it wasn't uh, their fault whatsoever. Is Winton still relevant, Tony, in this championship? Yeah. Absolutely, absolutely, as, as are a good number of these permanent tracks. Luke? I mean, yeah, they've got to update the facilities and make it more appealing and have less control on people bringing, particularly these country places, not having having to buy, you know, their water and all the other bits and pieces. Give people more freedom at these these sort of meetings. Luke? I agree entirely. Winton on the weekend on Sunday. Oh, there was a bumper crowd there. Real good atmosphere. It's got rustic charm and uh, it services an area that, like, north-east Victoria and, and uh, most the metropolis of, New South of Albury. Wales. Most of New South Wales, too, because the only race is Bathurst and Sydney. Yeah, exactly right. So what's the population of Albury-Wodonga? Probably close to 100,000, and that's heartland for, for V8 supercars. And also, it's the only other place other than Bathurst that you can camp, although you can camp at Phillip Island now. I digress. What do V8 supercars have to do to continue to increase crowds at non-marquee events? Luke? I think ticket prices is an issue. I looked at the admission price uh, when I drove in on the weekend to Winton, and per adult, sixty-five dollars both days. What the both days is what the sign said. So that's uh, if you wanted to go uh, over the weekend. Of course, you get a, a discount pass, but that's a lot of money if uh, a, a family wants to cruise on out there so two adults they're paying for the kids would be free under 12 or they're under 13 65 per adults a lot of money tony yeah i agree with that the the two things that go hand in hand what's being shown and what they're paying to it and luke certainly i'd noticed the same pricing and thought it was ridiculous large amount the other thing is it was a good bunch of categories there historics formula forward utes Jiu-Jitsu's and uh, main game. Um, one more category, I think, because one of the things that people want to do when they go to motor racing is see racing, not these bloody performance car demonstrations and girls on grids and things like that. Get another category on there, fill it back to back, like Bob Jane used to do at the Thunderdome, racing non-stop. Jamie Wincup couldn't remember the name of the Gold Coast race. What chances, Tony, do the punters have? Oh, look, I. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Drivers, the holy trinity of drivers, hair, sunglasses and shoes, mate, they don't, they're not paid to think about these things, you know? Quite <laughs> simple, it's a Gold Coast 600, that's what it is. 
Luke. Sponsored by Armorall. So, <laughs> no, it's okay. People get used to it. Yeah, gee, it's had some name changes. Indie Time and uh, Super Carnivalo, Super GP. I hated that one. Anyway, it's uh, known. Hopefully, the new format will mean that it doesn't matter what it's called, it will be entertaining to watch. Okay, so, yeah. Finally, Luke, Mark Webber, fantastic win at Monaco, but he said he's never going to drive V8s. Is that our loss or his? Um, I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a crack at Bathurst at some stage. He's an Aussie. He's from Queanbeyan. It's Heartland Territory too. He's definitely not going to run uh, the full championship, and I don't blame him for that, but I wouldn't write him off. I reckon he might have a run at Bathurst one year. Tony, your thoughts? He might have learned enough. He couldn't beat Steve Richards and Jason Bright and Jason Bogle. He couldn't beat him back in Formula Four days. So maybe he could come back and uh, try have another go. <laughs> Thanks very much, Tony Whitlock. And that's Gas and Go for another week. Brought to you by VHX Magazine. VHX Magazine out on sale now with the Giz on the cover. Just before we have to wrap up here on the White Flag Lap, uh, it was interesting, Fujitsu Series, Cameron McConville, Steve Owen, a different dynamic of what they're doing in the championship, but still those endurance drivers showing why they are uh, hot commodities for this season's big races. Yeah, I really like the fact that there's the extra dynamic in the Fujitsu series now and you get the likes of Perkins and Paul Morris and all those characters and uh, I'd like to see a few more of them in there and I think it just shows when one of the young blokes shows up well against them and, and beats them, it highlights just how good that young bloke is. So more of it, please. And Nick Perk had Tony Whitlock really uh, stamped his name into the uh, eyes of many with his performance on the weekend. Indeed, he and Tim Blanchard. Blanchard's made a couple of simple errors, but, you know, they're, they're forgivable. The great thing was, for instance, in race three, for the last half of the race, uh, Nick followed closely by Scott McLaughlin and Jack Birkins. Great racing. The three of them probably the best racing they've shown in a long time. Not touching and uh, really showing up. And Scott McLaughlin, 16, doing a fantastic job. The other one who I should mention is Daniel Gillison. In race two, he was off pole position as the 10th finisher in the first race. He did a 3.8 second 0 to 100 time, which is supercar main game sort of times. Fantastic start and just did a great job in his debut. Well, it's going to be great to see how the Fujitsu rolls on here in 2010. Luke West, you'll be covering all the action at the track for everyone. Yes, certainly will. Next round at Townsville. So a different type of circuit for a lot of those youngsters. Uh, second street race of the year. Tony, race facts as always, hitting the press each and every week. Thanks, mate. Thanks very much to Tony Whitlock and Luke West. As the checker flag waves over this edition of the V8 Insiders, until next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders, only on v8x.com.au.